All right. So, quick story. My son, several years ago, went to Minnesota on a one-year walkabout to Heroic Leadership Institute to learn about the mission of God and the dirt under the fingernails of life. And there he roomed with Luis Santian and Luis from Puerto Vallarta, Mexico. And then Luis uh, went back to Mexico or beforehand and uh, got to know and uh, married Rachel Santian. And then, who is from? Who is a Columbus, Ohio person? Who brought? They came back here, so it's a weird like synchronicity event. Uh, actually, I don't believe in total union synchronicity, but it's a God thing. How about that? And uh, Rachel is going to preach today. Um, uh, I heard her just kind of go over her main points to me, and it's like the Holy Spirit ministered to me on some areas of crisis. Uh, in my life, and it was like major deal. So I'm so excited. Uh, you are very blessed. Thank you. It's so nice to have a person like that you could biologically be their father, like be able to mentor you in a thing that God's showing them. That's how the kingdom of God works. Thanks, guys. I'm so happy to be here. Um, can you hear me? Okay. Okay, because I can't really hear myself. Okay, there we go. So I actually have a story before I get started because Daniel shared the story about pooping in the book. <laughs> and when I was little, you know those candy buckets that are shaped like a pumpkin? I didn't poop in it, but we only had one bathroom when I was growing up and my dad was always in the bathroom taking a long time as dads do. And so I would pee in the bucket when I had to go to the bathroom because, I don't know, there's like a weird shame thing like mixed in with it too when it's like poop and pee, I don't know. But my parents found out because there was a hole in the bottom of the bucket and it leaked onto our carpet. So, yeah. I just had to share that embarrassing story because Daniel shared his embarrassing story. So just had to put that out there and give you a feel for who I am. <laughs> um, but it's such a joy to be with all of you guys this morning. Um, it's so good to see so many faces. There's so many people here. And it, it just feels like a huge honor and privilege to be able to um, just be here and see all of your beautiful faces. And everyone online, too. I wish I could see your faces, but I'm glad that you are here. So like Jeff said, my name is Rachel. If I haven't met you, I would love to. Um, and a lot of you have been following my husband, Luis, and my story with our immigration process of getting married and getting him here to the States. Um, you know, it's been, a, it's been a whole journey, a whole story, but we're so grateful to everyone here who has prayed for us, joined us in our journey given us financial blessings, relationships with us, and also just welcomed him here and welcomed us to this place. We just feel very at home here and grateful for that. So, so much love for all of you guys, and let's pray before we get started. Holy Spirit, we invite your presence to be with us, Father. Lord, we just thank you for this beautiful day that feels like fall, <laughs> a little break from the heat, and we're just so grateful for everything that you want to speak to us today, which overall is just, I love you. Um, we're so grateful for your presence with us. And I ask that you soften our hearts today to receive your word and to self-reflect on just our own experience of Babylon and exile. So we thank you, Lord. And I ask that you give me just your love during this time. Amen. 
So we have been talking through the book of Daniel together in the past few months or so, which is actually the first time that I personally have read the whole book of Daniel and engaged in it. Um, But it's really crazy how relevant it is to this cultural moment that we're in. I never really knew that because I never read it and I never really thought of those things. But we have been discussing the idea of Babylon USA, which is acknowledging how we see Babylon, its systems and structures within our own culture and time, and how we're both contributors to it, but also victims of it. So simultaneously experiencing both of those things. Um, We are living in this, this weird tension. And we've been learning about that. We are also learning that we are either becoming more human and allowing God to do that work in our lives to restore us and to reconcile us to a relationship with him and kind of bringing us back to our own like form that we were created in. Or we can become more like beasts, which we have seen in many stories throughout the Bible of people's sin and how that affects others around us and the world that we live in. So I want to recap a little bit about the things that we've learned, because it's been a lot. (laughs) There's a lot packed into this book. Um, So we've met Daniel, obviously, who he was taken from his home. He was forced into exile and displaced in an unfamiliar place. Um, He was given a new name and forced to adopt this new unfamiliar culture, um, which includes worshiping a lot of other gods, and he knows the one true God. So that is its own thing. <laughs> um, so we've also learned about the pride, the proud and mighty King Nebuchadnezzar, who God has put into power over Babylon. So it's interesting because in this, we see that God blesses and put people into authority because God put him in this position. Uh, but we also have free will to decide what we're going to do with that blessing. And we can still use it to cause oppression and pain. So we've also been exploring Daniel's interpretations of the king's dreams, which are to humble and convict the king, to reveal to him his pride, and to show him the glory of the one true God. We can also see imagery from Genesis 1 and 2, how humans were created to be the royal image of God, to rule on God's behalf of the earth. But when humans rebel and make themselves God, we become less than human, become more like beasts, and cause a lot of pain. We can see this in the garden. We can see this with the relationship between Cain and Abel, and also Cain's children being the result of that sin. We see in chapters 1, 3, and 6 stories of God's faithfulness despite persecution, which is meant to offer hope for God's suffering people. We also see that suffering was caused by human kingdoms rebelling against God. The visions that we see are meant to encourage patience in God's people, as we wait for God to bring his kingdom to rule and to deliver his suffering people. Then we're in chapter 9. That's where we're at today. And as we're about to see, Daniel's asking God to fulfill his promise. And throughout this whole book and throughout history, we see a pattern of God's people rebelling and becoming like beasts when we don't acknowledge his kingdom. But we also see a promise that God will one day confront the beast to rescue his precious and beloved world. So as we continue to learn about Babylon and its presence in our current culture, we can learn more about the fact that we are all exiles in this world and have an experience of exile some way or another, not just the immigrant among us. So chapter 9, 
As we read this this morning, some things that I want to focus on are the experience of exile, righteousness, and mercy. Um, and first, or chapter 9 is a prayer, as Daniel read a little bit of it earlier. Um, so after all of these terrifying visions that he's experienced and interactions with the king, and then also surviving the lion's den, which was also like a crazy thing thrown in there, um, we come to his prayer. So we're in chapter 9, verses 1 through 19. This is just the first half of chapter 9. I'm going to read the whole thing, so it's, it's a lot. So bear with me as I read it. <laughs> In the first year of Darius, son of Xerxes, a Mede by descent, who was made ruler over Babylonian kingdom, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood from the scriptures, according to the word of the Lord given to Jeremiah the prophet, that the desolation of Jerusalem would last 70 years. So I turned to the Lord and pleaded with him in prayer and petition, in fasting and in sackcloth and ashes. I prayed to the Lord my God and confessed. Lord, the great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments, we have sinned and done wrong. We have been wicked and have rebelled. We have turned away from your commands and laws. We have not listened to your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our king, our princess, and our ancestors, and to all the people of the land. Lord, you are righteous, but this day we are covered with shame. The people of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem and all Israel, both near and far, and all the countries where you have scattered us because of our unfaithfulness to you. We and our king, our princes, and our ancestors are covered with shame, Lord, because we have sinned against you. The Lord our God is merciful and forgiving, even though we have rebelled against him. We have not obeyed the Lord our God or kept the laws he gave us through his servants, the prophets. All Israel has transgressed your law and turned away, refusing to obey you. Therefore, the curses and sworn judgments written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, have been poured out on us because we have sinned against you. You have fulfilled the words spoken against us and against our rulers by bringing on us great disaster. Under the whole heaven, nothing has ever been done like what has been done to Jerusalem. Just as it is written in the law of Moses, all this disaster has come on us. Yet we have not sought the favor of the Lord, our God, by turning from our sins and giving attention to your truth. The Lord did not hesitate to bring the disaster on us, for the Lord, our God, is righteous in everything he does, yet we have not obeyed him. Now, Lord, our God, who brought your people out of Egypt— with a mighty hand, and who made it for yourself a name that endures to this day. We have sinned. We have done wrong. Word in keeping with all your righteous acts, turn away your anger and your wrath from Jerusalem, your city, your holy hill. Our sins and the iniquities of our ancestors have made Jerusalem and your people an object of scorn to all those around us. Now, our God, hear the prayers and petitions of your servant. For your sake, Lord, look with favor on your desolate sanctuary. Give ear, our God, and hear. Open your eyes and see the desolation of the city that bears your name. We do not make requests of you because we are righteous, but because of your great mercy. Lord, listen. Lord, forgive. Hear and act. For your sake, my God, do not delay, because your city and your people bear your name. So all throughout this, you hear Daniel asking for God to forgive us and um, just like confessing his sin. But it's really interesting because what we've learned about Daniel in the past 
like month or so is that he was a righteous man, um, that he specifically didn't necessarily cause these sins, but he's praying for the sins of his ancestors to be forgiven. Um, and as we can see in this too, instead of hardening his heart towards his circumstances that he was put in because of his ancestor's sin, which was exile, and due to their disobedience in this time, Daniel was able to humble himself. He was able to recognize that he is also a contributor to Babylon and asks for mercy for those who are and were disobedient to God's call in their lives. He sought the Father in prayer and pleads for mercy. And I feel like in the past year or so, we've really seen a lot of damage come to light that we have caused throughout history with the pain that has been caused to our black brothers and sisters that we've seen um, through what's been done to indigenous children that is very similar to what Daniel went through of their names being stripped and of them being taken away from their culture and placed into something that is just completely unfamiliar to them. Um, and also what's happening in the border with immigrant families and children, which is something that hits really close to home for us because my husband is an immigrant and he's Mexican, which is a lot of people that are experiencing this. Um, so now more than ever, we're being re revealed the sins of our ancestors, but also the personal sin of our own prejudice and privilege. So this is a time to pray like Daniel prayed for mercy and for God to forgive us for how beastly we can be. We all know that it feels good to, I don't know, some, like sin feels good sometimes. Like I think about, like I was in a situation recently with a friend and like talking bad felt so much better than not. And I'm like, wow, like the fact that that is what caused me so much gratification, talking bad about somebody, that it's within all of us, like it really is. So um, yeah, it's, it's a time to plead for mercy and forgiveness, not just for our own, personal sin, but also for the systems that have been created that we live in and contribute to. Father, forgive us. So personally, thinking about all of this, it really aches my heart that I probably would have never known or honestly really even cared about what it takes to become an immigrant in this country if it wasn't for Louise. I would not have known so personally the struggle of what it takes to come here and to be here and how expensive it is, all the paperwork, all of the relying on the government to basically say what your life can be and what it can't be. I never knew that that was a thing. I just really did it. And so it really breaks my heart that I would not have known that if it wasn't for him. And so I'm really grateful for that. Um, and something that I prayed so much during our time of waiting was for the government to see Luis as a human, like I did, and to not see him as an alien, and to be able to hear his story instead of judging him or making assumptions about who he was because he was from somewhere else. Um, I prayed and pleaded with God to allow this place to become home for him. That's what we wanted so bad for so long. I prayed for the government to change, for a change in leadership or laws or to make things easier. But I also realized that the government may never change 
And even if it does, that it's ultimately up to us to change, for us to personally prioritize our neighbors at a personal level. Um, and as we've talked to that the government is in ways its own empire, which Babylon, I'm trying to remember what the Bible project said about Babylon, but it's this idea of like any human made structure that can cause like destruction in the world. And so like we have seen that in the government. So as I was listening to the Bible project, which Jeff introduced me to, if you guys have not watched any of the Bible project videos, they really bring scripture to life in a new way. Um, and I don't think I would have learned all this about Daniel if it wasn't for them. But I listened to a podcast about chapter nine and something that they were discussing was the word righteous. So chapter nine says over and over again that God is righteous, merciful, and forgiving. And I didn't know this previously, but the word righteous only makes sense in the context of a relationship. So righteous means standing right in a relationship, so it's a relational word. Tim Mackey of the Bible Project was explaining it in the context of a relationship between a father or mother and their children, which makes sense in my mind, because even though I'm not a mom yet, I am a caretaker of children. I'm a preschool teacher, so it's, it's very similar. <laughs> so I definitely understand this concept of uh, when a child is being hurtful to another child, saying either hurtful words or doing hurtful actions, we as adults have the opportunity to guide them into being more kind and safe, which those are my rules for my classroom are be kind and be safe. Those are our big two things. And so we get that opportunity to guide that into that. So, and this is the right thing to do because without guidance, the kids would think that destructive behavior was okay and that hurtful behavior is okay and that it's acceptable. Oh, sorry, can you hear me now? We good? Okay. But it's not only our job to constantly have an iron fist or be that voice of discipline to them. It's also our job to bless them and to honor and care for them. God is righteous to forgive. He brings righteousness to human evil and hates evil, but he still keeps his covenant promise to us. His ultimate purpose is to bring blessing to his enemies and to forgive and restore the world that we have brought to ruin. To quote the Bible project, no matter what happens, he will restore and heal his world, not at the expense of his justice, but because of it. So consequences are a righteous thing, and it's God's way of naming destructive behavior and destructive ways of being human and allowing us to be aware of them. And also keeping us accountable, but not out of like a spiteful, like mean place. Um, we'll see this a little bit next week when we talk about God extending Israel's exile because they weren't obedient. And let us not forget too that discipline is a loving thing. It doesn't always feel like it. I grew up in a household where discipline was always really aggressive. And so for me, I have a negative connotation to the word discipline and feel like I've always had a hard time with it. But it is a loving thing when God does it. And we can also discipline in loving ways too. Um, my son, daughter, do not take lightly the discipline of the Lord and do not lose heart when he rebukes you. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves. God is teaching us how to move forward through healing of relationships. 
God's trying to teach us to restore our relationships, but also allows us to sit in the mess that we've made, which is super uncomfortable and super not fun, but he allows us to do that. And he's still faithful to make a move to forgive and restore and bless us. Even when we sit in our mess, he's still going to do that for us. <laughs> and as Jeff likes to say, and that we like to say here in Central Vineyard anyways, is that we don't do shame here. None of this is meant to cause feelings of shame. I think shame is definitely a natural like human response, but God doesn't do shame, and we don't shame people here. But we accept and are open to God's conviction. There's justice and mercy and forgiveness available to us, but we also live in a world with systems that we or our ancestors have put into place. And we have the decision to either perpetuate that and continue on with that, or we have the opportunity to break those systems through personal change and working towards justice. And oftentimes, I, I know I wonder this all the time because it's so hard to see pain and suffering and to feel it. And we can often wonder how God could allow so much suffering and pain, but he's also merciful enough to give us free will. And Sorry, my paper's all weird. And the free will is how we got here. Unfortunately. <laughs> and I say this with all the grace in my heart, and I've seen this a lot recently, but unfortunately, we can all create personal hell of our own making that we live in, and that also hurts everything around us. And a lot of times we see this when we're unhealthy, for sure, um, but we're all capable of it. And so we need someone who can rescue us from ourselves and what we've created around us. We are called to humble ourselves to know that we have in some way contributed to Babylon, to Babylon, USA. We know and have seen that simple obedience can change history. We've seen this in so many stories throughout the Bible or stories of different heroes throughout history, but just hearing like so many little stories of people choosing to honor God instead of choosing what culture says. And that, those are the things that change history. Those are the things that change the systems that we're, we've created, is those small, personal moments of obedience. Um, so what is it that the Lord asks us to do? We just sang this, but Micah 6, 8 says, He's shown you what is good, to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. And then, of course, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and to love your neighbor as yourself. So another dynamic that I wanted to talk about real quick is the idea of exile. I never really thought about this until I started learning about it, but it's a really important dynamic to understand that we all have an experience of exile, which a lot of the times is a feeling of homesickness or being out of place, or that we haven't yet landed in a safe and welcoming place. Exile is our human condition of longing for a better home. And if you haven't ever experienced depression, which a lot of us have been introduced to this past year of quarantine and COVID, um, this is a big part of how depression feels. It's a longing to be home and to be safe. And whether life is beautiful at the moment or still dark and scary, we also have a feeling of being incomplete or that something's missing. 
I think when we soften our hearts to the idea that we all are in a certain kind of exile, and this is because our hearts were made for heaven, um, and to have our relationship to God restored, that um, we are able to have more mercy, grace, and understanding of those who are in exile on a much bigger scale or in a much more obvious way. We are living in this tension of the now and not yet of the kingdom, of things not being quite restored yet. And our life is the exile, and we're all on our way home. That's our journey. And one of my favorite quotes is from Ram Das. I think that's how you pronounce the name. But it says, we're all just walking each other home. And I feel like that's our, that's our journey with the Christian life. Um, something that I have loved learning and seeing recently is that Jesus really loves people without a home. He really has such a huge heart for people who don't have a place to call home. And whether that's somebody who is an immigrant in this country who feels out of place, or whether that's our own feeling of depression and longing to be safe, we all understand it. And I have been praying so much lately for the Lord to soften my heart. Our hearts are so easily hardened towards brokenness and suffering. And it's so much easier and so much safer and less painful to live that way with hard hearts. But I've decided that even though it's so painful, that I don't want to live that way. And growing up, I always had such a soft heart towards people. Like, as a little girl, I literally would talk to every single person I ever saw. Like, Louise talks now about how I do not stop talking, which is true. But imagine, like, me now, but, like, times five as a child. So, like, there was one time I was in a restaurant, and it was still when you could smoke indoors, and I told a lady that she shouldn't smoke because she was going to die. Like, I was, like, that, like, outspoken, and, yeah, so... That, that was me. So I had a really soft heart towards people. Like, I had no fear. But I feel like throughout the years, in certain ways, I lost that softness towards people or that, like, desire to, to interact with people. And I've been praying so much for the Lord to restore that in me. And, like, I don't like pain. I really don't. I don't think any of us do. I want to run from it. Like, I'm not interested at all of having my heart hurting because I know that feeling and I hate it, but I just don't want to have a hard heart anymore. Um, so yeah, I've been pleading for God to restore that in me. And it's really easy to believe that certain suffering around the world doesn't affect us or bother us because it's not like our immediate experience of the world. Um, but the truth is, is that if something's affecting someone that Jesus loves, it should affect us because it affects our family. Um, the other day, Luis and I were downtown. We were having a drink, and we were at 16-Bit. I don't know if anybody's ever been there. It's a really cool arcade bar, but Ian is shouting hooray in the back. I can see him. But in that area, there's a lot of homeless people and a lot of people walking back and forth, trying to interact with somebody, trying to get money or food. And we, we talked to a few people that approached us, but after they left us, like just watching how many people just chose to ignore and chose to not see. And I remember there was one man who approached us and 
Like, I really felt God give me his eyes for this person in that moment of just how precious this person was in his eyes. And he probably didn't know that. And, like, my prayer for us is that God give us those eyes and that soft heart to see people in that way, to see how much he cherishes them. And everyone is family because Jesus loves everyone. (laughs) Like, he does. Um, And so personally for Luis and I, we've become very familiar with the feeling of missing home. I very much think that we can feel home at people, or at people, that doesn't make sense, with people, like we have this sense of belonging with them. And so our process of waiting apart while going through our prolonged visa process, it felt very much like missing home and not being completely like home yet. But now that our process of getting him here is over, we're missing home in new ways, which I didn't expect to hurt this bad. Um, We're missing home in new ways as we navigate being far from family and our young niece and nephews, and our hearts are hurting and longing for home in a different way now. And our hearts also hurt knowing that God may call us to a place or something that will require us being far away from our family, which... All of us, all we ever want is to be close to people that feel like family and to feel welcomed. And I also remember the depression and darkness and hopelessness I felt during this waiting season and the disappointment we felt when things didn't turn out the way we thought they would. And desiring God in a new way to feel safe with him and at home and to be able to trust him, to be free from anxiety and pain. And a lot of us feel that. So... um, In a moment, we're going to pray, but we're also going to do communion in a little bit. And so our response to all of this, feelings of exile and also feeling this like burden almost of asking God to forgive us, um, communion and confession are the right response to all of this. We're announcing the good news that Jesus has already judged our wrongdoing and has forgiven us and is our home. This is the hope that we have, that Jesus will name what's wrong with us and deal with our evil in a way that doesn't destroy us, but saves us. And the cross is the good news and the rescue that we hope for. So I would love if you feel comfortable to stand or stay seated, which everyone feels most, your most connection to God. And I would love if you could open your hands as we pray these prayers of mercy together. Father, forgive us for when we have made our own success an idol instead of caring for the success of the homeless and immigrant among us. Forgive us for turning our heads away when we see suffering, for not making eye contact with the homeless man or woman we see on the street, for making assumptions of the drug addict instead of seeing them as a cherished son or daughter in your eyes, for not seeing how precious they are to you. Forgive us for not pursuing justice or mercy, but instead being prideful. Forgive us for not providing home for the immigrant among us, for not providing some sense of safety, welcome, and love in a foreign land. 
Lord, heal us from our prejudices and desire to distance ourselves from those who are different than us, to preserve ourselves and to keep ourselves safe. And Father, give us soft hearts towards those who are seeking home and safety in ways that are unhealthy or harmful. Thank you, Jesus. Um, we have a prayer ministry team, and we would love to pray for you. Um, if this message touched your heart in any way, or um, maybe if you're at some crossroads in your life, or if you're feeling trapped in suffering, um, we invite you to get prayer. We all need it, so <laughs> we're available to you. So I would love Adrian to come up to do communion. Good job, girl. Good job, girl. Thank you, Lord. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he thanked God for it and he broke it. He said, this is my body, which is given for you, broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Likewise, after supper, he took the cup. He said, this is my blood poured out. It's a whole new covenant. It's a different way of doing things. Everything's going to be different now. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Your grace, Lord, is uh, it's big enough for all of us, Lord. So thankful. Take the cup. And Paul said, whenever you get together, do this. Do this until Jesus returns. Do it together. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for your perfect love for us. Thank you, Lord. It is, as we go and get prayer uh, in this community together, as we seek help from one another, um, this is one brother or sister showing the other brother and sister the grace of God. We do this for one another. We are all on an equal plane, and it's just such a joy to be able to do that. Um, we really feel this morning like if, I just felt this from the Spirit, that some of you are at a point where you need to make a decision or you don't know what's next. If you need prayer, reach out and get it. God is so good, and he speaks to us through one another, among other ways. So God bless you guys. We're going to sing a song together, and then we'll, um, we'll be dismissed. Get prayer. God bless you.